where common sense, honest conversation, and thought-provoking discussions thrive in a completely independent forum. This is the Roundup Podcast. Here now is your host, Jeff Eager. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Oregon Roundup Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Eager. Welcome. Today, we're going to be talking to Mike Freeze, who is a lawyer and lobbyist for Romaine Freeze, which is a firm out of Portland. Mike was the laboring oar on securing passage through the legislature of a bill, House Bill 2426, that will allow Oregonians in all parts of the state to pump their own gas following 70 years of a ban on that activity. Just finished recording with Mike. It's a fun conversation for political nerds, of which I count myself part, and I suspect some of you probably fit that definition as well. Talk about kind of the background on the ban on self-service, how it came to finally end pending the governor's signature, and some kind of inside baseball on how all of that worked in this raucous legislative session that just wrapped up in Salem. Hope you enjoy the interview with Mike. I'll be back for a few words after it's done. Mike Freeze, who is a lawyer and lobbyist for Romaine Freeze out of Portland, one of the lobbying powerhouses in the state of Oregon. Mike, welcome to the Oregon Roundup podcast. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for joining us today, Mike. Maybe just start off. I think people know what a lawyer is. People know in general what a lobbyist is. What is it that you do kind of on a day in and out basis? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. It's always interesting to have a conversation with somebody about what a lobbyist is. And they presume they even know what a lawyer is because that's they've hired one or they've worked with one or they know one. We're sort of a, a combination, I think, of of the two where we we represent our clients, mostly business to the legislature, to government, to agencies. And then we even help them solve other other problems more from a public affairs standpoint. So we have various clients, uh, like I said, and they have issues maybe with an agency or they have they want to achieve something at the legislature. And we take their issue and and really advocate for them to policymakers and also help defend what they do in their community so that you know they can continue to stay in business. But it, it varies, you know. Um, we just got out of a long session. So uh, my business partner, Danelle Romaine, and I spent a lot of time advocating for our clients at the legislature. And now that the legislature is out. We will be spending a lot of time working with agencies to implement the new laws and hopefully find a path forward for the businesses that we represent. Obviously, having you on today to talk about self-service or self-serve gasoline or fuels bill that the legislature had passed, that's something that you and Danelle have worked on for some time, as I understand it. Who, who is your client in that self-serve gas issue area? So we have the fortune to represent the Oregon Fuels Association, and the Oregon Fuels Association is comprised of your local fuel marketers, distributors, and retailers. So to sort of put a finer point on it, they're not the, the big oil companies that people may think of, but they're really Oregonians that own these businesses and are selling fuel to everybody, really, in the state. 
So you can get to and from work and buses can get kids to and from school. And so we do spend a lot of time trying to educate lawmakers on who our client is and who they are not, particularly because these are mostly small businesses and, and small businesses that, that people in the communities know. Right. So not Exxon, but corner gas station owner. Right. And, and the corner gas station owner may be a branded station, you know, like an X, you know, an sure. Exxon Shell, Chevron, but they're most often owned and operated by somebody in the community. Sure. And I can, I can imagine that representing anything to do with the provision of fossil fuels in Oregon can be somewhat challenging from time to time, given the political dynamics here. When I was kind of growing up in Oregon, there were a few kind of public policies that were seen as being relatively unique to Oregon. At the time, the can and bottle recycling law was, I believe, one of a kind in the United States. And then the other one was really this law about not being able to pump your own gas in Oregon. It's really been part of our way of life for a long time that we're not allowed to do that except under certain situations. And that era is apparently about to come to a close. How did it come about that Oregon prohibited its residents from pumping gas when most other states, the vast majority of other states, allowed people to pump their own gas? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And one that, you know, I've had to do some research on when I started representing the Oregon Fuels Association and Oregon sort of took a different path. But, you know, really this started in 1951, the state of Oregon passed a law, a series of laws that prohibited self-service. So it required that it's a mandate to provide full service for class one flammable flammable liquids, which include gasoline. Interestingly, it does not include diesel. So for those diesel drivers that listen to your podcast, they probably recognize that they've been able to pump their own gas, the, oh. their own diesel for years. So gas and diesel are treated differently. But in, so they passed the law in 1951. And then, you know, many states in I think the the late 60s started to transition away from this full service mandate. And in the 70s, what happened, you know, during the oil embargoes, fuel prices went high. And so a lot of states were looking for any opportunity to save money at the pump. And so they started to get rid of these policies. You know, by really like the the 90s, a lot of I think 80% of the the nation had gone to self-service. And eventually only Oregon and New Jersey by by the 2000s, only Oregon and New Jersey retained that full service mandate in, in statute. And was the concern uh, yeah. the, the concern behind the original, you know, kind of full service only law, was it at least in terms of the the justification for it as publicly stated, was it a safety thing or was it a like job creation thing? Or do you know what the rationale was for requiring full service to begin with? I think there's probably a number of explanations. One was certainly safety as this, you know, as the country started to own more vehicles and you saw more and more gas stations pop up, you know, and by the fifties, most families had had their own cars. So 
you had, you know, you had these safety concerns about all of these fuel stations in this highly flammable product, you wanted to make sure everybody was safe. And so I think that that had part to do with it. The other was over time is the business interest in, in having full service. So if you, while there's a, an employment aspect to it, there were also garages that, that these fuel stations had that they wanted to make sure that somebody was there to check oil, check tire pressure, you know, just look for, you know, common maintenance issues to say, Hey, why don't you come into my garage and I can help fix whatever problem you may have. So that, I think that was also a reason why policymakers thought that this was a good idea make sure that people were safe on the road. Then of course we had, you know, employment challenges over time where this was a good entry level job, particularly for high school kids. I, I was one, <laughs> I spent a number of summers pumping gas in Eastern Oregon where I grew up and it was a great summer job. I, I thought it was fine. It was a, probably a good way to learn how to interact with the public and have a, you know something to do to earn a little money. So that had happened. And times, of course, change. And the reasons to have this changed. I think even full service had played a part when gas stations stopped having the garages, you know, the mechanics on site and had, you know, they they had convenience stores. And so by providing full service, it gave everybody an opportunity to go into the store and buy products. But as we've learned in other states and just sort of watching what has happened with self-service is, you know, these convenience stores do become a revenue generator and it doesn't require that you provide full service to do that. And gas stations, one thing I should point out is gas stations run on very low margin and Things like convenience stores and the uh, and the mechanic shops really help keep them in business. It's funny you mentioned that you pump gas in high school. I I did the same for part of a summer in college in Redmond, Oregon. Yeah, it was a fun fun job, easy job. And uh, it, looking back on it, maybe I'm forgetting something, but. It wasn't a whole lot of technical training that went into it at the time. I don't think I was necessarily any better at pumping gas than anyone who would have done it done it for themselves. But it was a it was a good good employment experience for sure. Kind of my perception of it is that you know over the last say five years or so, the state has kind of made exceptions periodically to the full service only law. Like I think during COVID. There was an, a provision that allowed us to pump our own gas for a while. And then there was, you know, rural areas could do it, but not urban areas. Maybe if if you can talk a little bit about kind of how long folks have been at the task of trying to liberate the people of Oregon to pump their own gas. And then kind of what's what changed from a kind of political or business dynamic in recent years to finally make this happen now? One thing that in the history of, of Oregon self-service, I, I failed to mention is the changes that happened in law in 2015 and 2017. Cliff Bentz, now Congress, Congressman Bentz, helped push a law that, that eventually passed that would allow self-service at night in rural counties. And that you know makes a lot of sense if you live in a county where where the only gas station for 50 miles or 30 miles 
doesn't have enough employees. There's not enough people around to to work the night shift. And so they would close the gas station down at, you know, six or eight at night. Well, there's nowhere else to go get gas. And so people were running out of fuel in these rural towns and had no place to go. So the legislature decided, yeah, maybe we should allow self-service at night in these rural counties. Eventually that turned into self-service in a lot of the rural counties. There's a requirement that folks provide full service if there's somebody available. But then also on the coast, you had a requirement to provide full service during the day, but you could provide self-service at night. So there were there's really three different regulatory patchworks here where you have the Willamette Valley and I-5 corridor, mainly uh, Deschutes County, some of the more populated counties that require full service all the time. You have some rural counties that can provide self-service all the time. And then there are three coastal counties that you can provide self-service at night, but not during the day. And this is very confusing to consumers. Yep. So, you know, in 2015, 2017, the, the restrictions on full service were eased, particularly for rural counties. And that sort of helps set set up a conversation about, well, how is this working? How is it not working? In 2017, the Oregon Fuels Association and Disability Rights Oregon worked together to pass a statute that sort of enshrined what is already required, which is that, you know, fuel stations have to and are required to follow the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm-hmm. And it just sets out in statute how that how that will be done. And so in the counties that now have self-service, they're still required to provide service for folks with the disabilities. And that and that's always been the case. So that I think that also helps set up the conversation. In 2019, there was a discussion with a, a legislator, and it, it almost became a, a bit of a game, um, not to say that it was a game, but it was interesting between some of the legislators that didn't grow up here and grew up pumping their own gas and were annoyed by the fact that they had, they would have to wait for an attendant to come pump their gas. And then those that did grow up in Oregon and just refused the, the even thought that they would have to get out and pump their own gas. And the conversation started in 2019, and it it didn't have any serious traction, but I will say it's not necessarily a partisan conversation. This was a a discussion that actually sort of started in in a Democrat caucus and did sort of build some momentum. So fast forward to the pandemic, and when everything shut down, we had some serious concerns about whether or not employees and employees you know, stayed home. We were shutting gas stations down. We were trying to figure out, you know, as we were all gathering information, how do we keep consumers safe and how do we keep our employees safe? And in a number of conversations with the governor's office, Governor then Governor Brown eased restrictions on self-service. We all at some point realized it was really the human to human interaction, not picking up a gas pump that caused the created the most risk. Mm-hmm. There's also a huge risk of closing gas stations down and not having fuel for nurses and doctors to get to and from work. Even though a lot of us weren't necessarily traveling traveling into an office, there were a lot of public safety professionals that needed to, and we had to get public safety professionals the fuel, particularly in some of these rural areas. They don't have a designated fuel station. So, so we worked really hard to, to get that. Of course, that created confusion. 
at the same time, as you might recall, we had, we didn't just have COVID. We also had some extreme heat where employees were asked to be, to not be outside yet. Oregon law was mandating that these people be outside these employees. And then we had wildfire smoke and it was the same thing where Oregon OSHA created these new rules that said, please don't have your employees outside yet the law still required employees to be outside in this case. And so under those circumstances, the governor and the agencies recognize that maybe this isn't the best policy to mandate that the employees be outside in, in some of these both extreme heat or wildfire situations that do not make public health sense. So through all of that, and at the same time, COVID accelerated some employment challenges. I think lawmakers finally looked at this issue as, is this the best place to mandate employees? Are we are we mandating employees in the right areas or should we be encouraging these folks to take other jobs, whether it's build affordable housing or it's doing something in public safety? There are just a lot of other places where they were that were also experiencing employment shortages that folks said, listen, I think we can better allocate our employment. And by this is a good start to to that conversation. I thank you for that history. That's very instructive. The, I do recall over recent years pulling up to a gas station here in Bend and there was a sign up saying, hey, you can pump your own gas now and thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. And then you know, whatever the heat dome or whatever the the impetus was for the temporary allowance of self-service would pass and then back waiting to have someone pump my gas. In terms of the coalition that formed, if you can call it that, behind House Bill 2426, which is the bill that ultimately passed the legislature and that allows self-service gas pumping with some, you know, kind of exceptions to that or modifications to that. Was it really you guys and the Fuels Association that was pushing that? Or were there other kind of interest groups that got behind you? And to the degree it was mostly or entirely kind of the gas station industry, did you run into some just, are there some offices in Salem that you just don't go into because they don't talk to people who sell gas for a living? So we partnered with the Northwest Grocery Association, and you can imagine, you know, Fred Meyer and Costco and others in Safeway, I believe, that sell fuel in the state. They have a similar interest. We had actually heard from one of the the grocers that they have a thousand jobs that are unfilled. And so when we talk about whether people would lose jobs, they were saying we have a thousand job openings that remain unfilled. So it's this isn't really a jobs issue in terms of there's nowhere for people to work. It, it became an issue of, you know, when you pulled up to a gas station and half the pumps had cones in front of them because they couldn't staff the gas station well enough to pump gas at all the islands. Yep. That was what Oregonians were experiencing. And so the conversation at these offices, people now saw it firsthand. Legislators saw that that gas stations, every time they pulled up to a gas station, that they were short-staffed, I think helped the discussion. I, I don't think, in terms of our lobby practice, we, we, we don't really have those offices necessarily that we can't get into and, and at least explain why this is important. And I would say, working with um, the grocers and others, we we got to a point where legislators were really interested in what we were proposing. And the, and the concept was more of a, a 
a split between and a compromise between requiring full service everywhere and providing providing some full service. So that what the law does is it would allow for counties that are currently, with the exception of Umatilla and Klamath counties, if, if you're required to provide full service all the time, it would allow a gas station owner to provide up to 50% self-service. And it requires that the, the gas station put up signage so that the customer knows which pumps are self-service and which ones are full service. And so because it still mandates that those gas stations provide at least some full service, many legislators became very comfortable with that. At the same time, traditional opponents of this concept didn't come out opposed. So the unions that work for the the grocers and the firefighters unions all decided that maybe this was a good compromise given the labor shortages and challenges. And frankly, that almost every other state allows it, that there really isn't a demonstrated fire safety issue. And so with no opposition, you know, and working with them and passing a law with Disability Rights Oregon, you know, years ago, I think we got to a point now where people were more comfortable with the thought of full service everywhere. And, you know, we we had overwhelming support in the House, bipartisan support in the House. Generally, you have younger folks in the House. In the Senate, it became a much bigger battle. And I think it was the fact that you had a lot of people there that just didn't want change. They understood the reason, they appreciated the compromise. But I think from a personal perspective, not necessarily from a political one, they just didn't want, I would say there's a bit of a camel's nose under the tent that's already exists, but they didn't want to create, you know, they didn't want to tip the tent over yet. And even with the compromise, the Senate made it very difficult to to get the bill through, even though it did receive bipartisan support. And it was, a, I think, 16 votes in support and nine opposed. Historically, it, it sort of, it was a reminder that this is still a big issue in politics in Oregon, and it still remains somewhat of a third rail, as, you, as I think you pointed out early. I know a lot of Republicans, and I know a lot of Republicans who are generally kind of like let people do what they want to do, don't regulate business, et cetera, who, <laughs> when the idea of allowing people to pump their own gas come, comes up, are like, no way. I like other people pumping my gas for me. I don't want to get out in the wintertime, et cetera. And I think the nice thing about this bill, as you pointed out, is that it it preserves the full service option for for those people while freeing up others to pump their own gas if they want. I mean, it really was a good compromise and, you know, we'll see how it's implemented. I, I have actually talked to a few gas stations that said that they're going to continue the to provide full service only mm-hmm. unless they just do not have the employees because they, they believe that that's what their customers want. Sure. And after all, I mean, these folks are still in business to sell gasoline or to sell things at their convenience store. And that requires that customers actually want the service that they're getting. So if if there's a demand for self-service, then consumers will find gas stations that want self-service. If it's if it's full service that you're looking for, then consumers are going to find the place that gives them the best full service. Of course, considering that gas prices are remain competitive. Sure. You mentioned a little bit about how this the Senate was a little more difficult than the 
the house. Did did this bill get caught up in kind of the walkout and all the other stuff that was going on in the Senate that we read so much about? You know, I would say a little bit. I, we passed it out of out of the Senate committee before the walkout, but it was right. It was right at the time where the walkout happened. So we waited. You know, the bill waited on the floor. There was bipartisan support. The what had happened though when we were counting votes at the very end is there were a number of legislators that didn't come back, right? So we had the walkout ended, but not every Republican came back. And so our vote count got a lot tighter than it was when we when we had originally counted it. So that's, you know, we needed 16 votes to pass it. I would like to have 20, but we had, we got 16 votes. So that's, that's all we needed, but it wasn't a part of a negotiation between Senate Republicans and Senate Democrats. Frankly, this was a bipartisan bill that had, you know, more Democrats vote for it than, than not. So we're recording here on uh, the morning of June 28th, Wednesday, I checked OLIS before, which is the legislative kind of website thingy that tells you about the status of bills before we started recording here. And it it looked like the governor had not signed the bill yet. Do you believe that to be the case? Yes. We made a request to get the bill signed by the Senate president and the Speaker of the House as soon as possible, which they, you know, I appreciate that they did. It went to the governor's desk and there's, because it wasn't within five days at the end of session, there there's a, the governor now has 30 days to sign it. Mm-hmm. We have every indication that she will sign it. I, I'm not sure if she's a huge fan of self-service, but she also is a big fan of compromise in this case. And I think that this was a good compromise and it was bipartisan. I don't see any reason for her not to sign it at this point. So we're we're hopeful we haven't seen it signed, which means the law isn't in effect. But as soon as it's signed, you'll start to see probably signs going up. You can pump your own gas statewide. And the, the law will take effect immediately upon the governor's signature? That's right. We'll have some frequently asked questions. We've partnered with the, the state fire marshal's office to have a consistent messages across the board for folks to, to review. We'll have a press release and everything that'll go out that they'll send out so everybody can go and, and have a, a common place to, to have their questions answered. Now we'll wait till the governor signs the bill. Fantastic. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep tabs on that too, as this is something of intense interest to me, maybe a few of our listeners. Mike, I want to thank you for your time here today. Great work on this bill. Thank you for kind of explaining that process, a little bit of that, how a bill becomes a law background that from someone who is right on the inside of this thing. Mike, thank you and hope to have you back sometime in the future on the Oregon Roundup podcast. Jeff, thanks for having me on and keep up the good work. Really enjoy your podcast. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mike Freeze, lawyer and lobbyist for Romaine Freeze out of Portland. I know I learned a lot about how this bill is on its way to becoming a law. From my perspective, it's not often that the Oregon political process generates something that I like. Uh, And this is something I like. I know some of you, I've heard from some of you that you don't like it. You like other people pumping your gas and that's great. The bill, as Mike explained, does preserve full service as an option at all stations. But it's, in my opinion, kind of out of character for the Oregon legislature to do something that makes 
kind of people that drive and live what might be considered normal lives to kind of give them more more freedom. That's unheard of in this state in recent years, if not decades. So definitely out of step for the pattern we've come to expect out of the Oregon legislature. And that's why I wanted to have Mike on to talk to him today. I hope uh, you found this instructive. I'll we'll likely have a podcast after the fourth. So I won't talk to you at least in audio format before then. Hope you have a great Independence Day. We will talk to you again soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Roundup Podcast. To share your thoughts with Jeff, you can email him at jeff at oregonroundup.com. You can also subscribe to his newsletter at oregonroundup.substack.com.